You guys, welcome to Ghosted Stories. It's Chelsea. It's Aaron. I'm sorry I snuck up on you, Aaron. You were finishing no. your glass of wine. It's your favorite. All right. And Happy New Year. We're back. We're on a little hiatus. Not really for us because we just recorded our last episode two days ago. But for you guys. <laughs> we're way in the future. We, we missed you. Yeah, we're way in the future. Um, you guys are in the future. We're in the past. It's a whole time-space continuum thing. And we have our esteemed guest here joining us tonight, comedian, author, Kaylin Brodnick. Hi. She's here. Hi. She Hi. is, I mean, just a glow. I know we've had sweaty so, mess. We've been talking about such fun stuff this I whole know. time. And we were like, we better record it eventually. I was like, we, we have to push record or we're going to waste all the good stuff. Um, but, well, we have lots of things to talk to Caitlin about. Uh, a few of which you are an author. Your book came out fairly yes. recently. Yeah, in September. Okay. And it's so it's still fresh. Still fresh. It's still your... It's hard with books because sometimes book. it's all this like pressure for that pub week. Everybody's right. around the pub week, but then mm-hmm. the book still is there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can read it at literally any time. Right, like it still exists. And I'm like, oh yeah, like you could still buy it. <laughs> that would help me. <laughs> well, tell us Take a little bit because we were, you know, diving in a little bit before we recorded and we were like, oh, we should just be talking about this. So tell us about and everybody about your book, what the inspiration was. Okay, so basically it's called Dangerous Boobies, Breaking Up With My Time Bomb Breasts. And it was, it's sort of a, it's my story from beginning to end um, of my experience with testing positive for the BRCA genetic mutation, which um, people call it BRCA. It's the breast cancer gene, they say. Um, And then what I decided to like, how I was going to dealt with that basically and ways I didn't deal with it and ways I panicked and ways I got depression and happy and all these things. Um, And a lot of how-to as well. Like if you're thinking about it or you have a friend who's thinking about preventative options like scanning or surgeries sort of to do the Angelina Jolie route or to um, do just like up your screenings at the doctor's office or even I talk a lot about my anxiety with doctors. So um, basically it was something that I wanted when I was going through everything. I was like, I just want a girlfriend. Like I just want a girl to tell me about sex after surgery. Like I just want to talk about tits and nipples and like what's weird. And then just... I grew up with like a big, huge collection of women around me. Like my mom had, has a sister who's very close and she has a daughter. So we were very close with my cousin and I have a younger sister. Okay. And then also my mom is, has amazing best friends. And so we had all these like extended aunts and it was just, she did a really great job of always supplying herself and us with just these like amazing women. I love that. It was so nice. And then there were times like, I remember like, I didn't always want to go out and party with my friends like I'd much rather want to hear the gossip and hang around with my mom right mm-hmm. it was like the real housewives <laughs> I was like what is going on <laughs> like yeah. it was just like it was like they had they had their own drama they had book club issues I remember like listening book to my mom yeah so <laughs> I listened to her like on the stairs and like hide to like listen to every conversation she had in the morning mm-hmm. so I I just loved this like gaggle of gals and when I was going through all this stuff I didn't have that because it's relatively new people are just right. talking about it um it's sort of it has like a weird sort of world in the media right now it's sort of an, an odd place like I feel like people either either sort of fetishize it mm-hmm. or they make it some incredibly sad story right. and it's like a cancer story and I was you know, if you are, if you do test positive for the mutation, we all have BRCA. We all have the BRCA gene okay. in us. So if you have the mutated version of the gene, that means that your body is less able to suppress or prevent cancer tumor growth. Got it. And in our bodies, we all have like, our bodies are pretty incredible when you really look down at it. Um, 
all of our cells know exactly what to do. And I say like, you know, if you cut your lip or if you cut your elbow, your lip heals faster than your elbow. Like your lip cells know exactly how much to turn over. Mm -hmm. And all of your cells know when to live and when to die and how, where they should be located and everything. And they behave well. But when you have a cancer cell, it's a cell that's basically gone rogue. So that cell decides I'm going to grow here in this place where I'm not supposed to or I won't die when I'm supposed to, or I will, and usually this case that I'll attract other cells and create a larger collection of us. And that's sort of like your cancer cell. And Mm. um, so if you have the mutated version of the gene, your body is less able to suppress that. Got it. And our body does a great job all the time of like taking care of this, you know, without us even noticing it. Um, now I'm not a doctor and this is what I've understood from my doctor. I mean, so. so far. No, this is great. I mean, it's like a little <laughs> gang is... getting in there and I, yeah, yeah. that's like how I understand it. I'm like, okay, there's like, there's like a bad guy and my body is, is not able to fight him as much right. as the other ones. And yeah. so, I mean, definitely like talk to a doctor. I'm not a real doctor, but, um, <laughs> but that's sort of how I understand. So, and without, I, you know, I guess also giving too much away, so to speak. No, give of it all, we girl. want people to yeah. go by the book. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, what, what inspired you to get yourself tested? Like, does it run your family? Had you, or did you just... Had- yeah. I mean, I, t- I talk a lot about that because the, the whole st- process of getting tested before whatever you decide to do is really overwhelming because this is an amount of information that we in our lives don't get usually. You know, you go to the doctor if you have something or if you have an illness. Um, You don't go to find out your future risk of something that might possibly happen in the future. Like it's very vague and very overwhelming. And I think it's something that most of our brains and our psyches like haven't ever dealt with before and so there are a lot of things you can do online where you can send in a spit test and you find your heredity and I always say that like that if I had a friend or a sister going through it I would never tell them to do that because I think you have to go to a genetic counselor like a doctor who can really get this information clear to you sure and put it in context I'm sure too probably and like exactly when you're handed a piece of paper so when I got my results and it's different for different women um, my results said that in my lifetime, I had an 87% chance of getting breast cancer. Wow. And then a very high so chance crazy. of like, I think like 20 to 50 of ovarian cancer, just like very high. And that to me, I got tested at like 25 and it just like was a mind fuck. Like it yeah. really messed me up. And I couldn't get those numbers out of my head. And like, even though your risk raises as you get older and like post-menopause it it starts to raise so in your full lifetime like when I'm much older it would be 87 but it felt like I had that risk like immediately you feel like now it's a scarlet a or it's like a yes and timer over your head like it was it was like in that's something where I say to people like somebody goes well you don't have cancer and it's like no you don't have cancer but this I was already afraid of getting cancer always like my dad's the only surviving person in his family they've all died of cancers so growing oh up, we goodness. were always at funerals. We were like, the Brodnicks yeah. are great at funerals. <laughs> like, if you need to go to a Shiva house, we will hook you up. We know a good caterer. <laughs> we know where to get your special little low chairs. Like, we know all about right. the whole funeral issue. So my dad was, in a lovingly way, he was like, you know, we actually, he like really enjoys being there for his friends and family if they go through something tragic. He's like, I know how to do this. It's really sad, but I've I've buried a lot of family members. I yeah. know the process. For me, I always like if a friend of mine, family member dies, I always 
want to send them a card or reach out to them like a couple months afterwards because that's when it's really hard and sort of like all the attention goes and the fanfare goes and you the house is quiet and then that's a really good thought yeah yeah, you want to call that person and you forget they are not there and so like the months following I think is like a really intense time for people with start, loss. You start to have to process it. And, yeah. yeah, and you and you literally feel the the without. Like right. you are without them. Like you want to tell them about a fun recipe for Thanksgiving yeah. or you had this funny joke you wanted to tell them and they're not physically there. Yeah. And I still feel that way with um, my aunt Valia who was uh, a starving, miserable actress. <laughs> Never made it and always let us know she hated it. Like, was so miserable. So anytime I get anything, I'm like, oh, I wish, like, I wish I could have shown yeah, her. Sure. And I got, like, um, a message the other day from, like, my website. And somebody was like, I was one of your Aunt Valia's friends. And oh, wow. she would have been so happy and we're so proud of oh, you. And I was so like, sweet. oh, like. That's everything. It's everything. And yeah. it also, like, it comes out of those, like, feelings and messages and moments, like, come out of nowhere, too. So. Anyway, so I was always freaked out about that. And then when I got this diagnosis, it felt like a cancer diagnosis. And it felt like, great, I'll die from this. Um, And I didn't deal with it very well. I panicked for three years and drank, got crazy, had to get sober, had to figure out like what I was running from, which was this intense fear. And then like I made a bunch of decisions with my life once I like really got healthy. But there was this like, major amount of emptiness because I didn't want to go to a cancer center because I was like, I'm not a cancer patient, even though they do offer tons of stuff for BRCA positive people and people that are pre-cancer, anything like that. Um, And I didn't want, like, I didn't want to be a part of a support group. I felt like that was kind of heavy. You know, you don't want to look online that drives you crazy. I definitely did oh that. Because you also oh don't God, want yeah. that to become your life. Right. Because, because it's not you were running there. from it, but you also don't need to necessarily run towards yes. it. Like, you right. need to deal with the emotions you're having with it. Yes. But having, right. going to a weekly support group would just be like, now this is my life. Right. And the thing, too, is that, like, the in the very beginning of this, I remember doctors were really cautious about even telling women about it just yet. Because if there's nothing to treat right away, and if you're not going to do a preventative surgery... Um, you just need to get scanned, but still like, and you get scans, let's say if you have this, if you're positive for the mutation, you get scanned like twice a year instead of every five years. But still at that time you go to the doctor's office, you're like, is this when they're going to find it? Like, it's just a wild world to be in. And, um, I know one of the genetic counselors I was talking to said that like this sort of generic, like testing now for every ailment can be a real disadvantage for people because yeah we're all susceptible to heart disease diabetes whatever but all this anything the diagnosis and then the treatment is just be healthy exercise eat right like it's literally what what you're doing right so it's kind of like do you need that extra pressure and information and panic on your brain or should you just be going about doing the same thing right like the way to just be healthy right so that was that was also sort of crazy and then in 2013, when she Angelina Jolie came out, it was like the most amazing thing for me. I was oh. so happy. I, it was so great because she was so honest, and it wasn't. And this is an incredibly sexual woman. Like right. her boobs are part her, of her identity, part of her ticket. Yeah, that's what part she of does. Her personal or sorry, professional identity. Yes, yeah. and she really like is the sex pot, and mm-hmm. she really works those characters. And like for her to be like, I don't care if 
they're fake and if everybody knows that they're fake I'm doing this for my life I was like that's amazing like no yeah. one's seen my boobs that much <laughs> like <laughs> 1.3 people like no one has seen it no one knows like, it's not a big part of my personality or professional life no yeah. and I didn't want it to be I used to have huge knockers and mm-hmm. they just took over all the time and I was like I didn't like how over sexualized yeah. they made me so so eventually I decided to have a preventative double mastectomy mm-hmm. and it was a great decision. It was like the journey was hard because any surgery is hard and I'd never had surgery before. So I wrote all about that. But, um, I just wanted a girlfriend that whole time to be like, this is the day I had sex afterwards. Like, is it two weeks or is it three months? Yeah. You know, do, how do your scars heal? How is that with your relationship? Like, um, how soon after could you work out? You know, like, Weight what gain, unexpected emotional things for did you sure. feel that you didn't expect to feel and like for better or worse or yeah, yeah. and like uh, and I just like I wrote all about the struggle I had the back and forth the guiltiness I felt for not having cancer like I felt kind of guilty at times that oh, I was getting attention but I wasn't sick and people were like oh you're so brave and I'm like not really I'm actually like running so far from cancer I'm paying strangers to <laughs> cut items out of my body <laughs> I was like it's just like a lot of anxiety plus an insurance package like that's yeah what I am right now so that all of those thoughts and feelings and like how to explain it to your family and how I talk to my family so I just put it all in there and I was like I just wanted I just want to be a girlfriend like a anonymous girlfriend like if people don't want to contact me they don't have to if they want to of course I'd love I respond to everyone but um I just wanted something there just something more than just doctors yeah absolutely and that's like I this is not at all because it's not life-threatening, but I relate to that sentiment and I have Tourette syndrome and that's yes. as long as I can remember, like even people asking me like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I don't know, but like whatever it is, I want it to be something where I'm in a position where maybe I have enough people's attention where I can yes. advocate for it and have anyone else who has it, who feels insane to be mm-hmm. like, it's okay yes. like they're you know and just no, someone very to talk relatable. to and, and to it's just a, like so to be yeah, a happy so face admirable. too yeah. I was like I, this is exactly. also a comedic book I was like let's laugh about it because like we're not I'm right. not dying right now <laughs> like when I die there'll be another book for that right. but I was like <laughs> things are going well <laughs> who will be a publisher then I wonder oh my god <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll Saint figure Paul it out yeah. I know they're very great um I love sale press but um but yeah I, I totally yeah. agree with you and I think that is that's what you want to do you just want to be like this, I know I'm not the only one feeling right. this way. Mm-hmm. And just the the best thing you can do is be, and not to say to make anyone who feels not in a place where they want to talk about yeah. or advocate for whatever they're going through, that's fine too. But, but just if like you if are you feel you can, can. it's, uh, you know, I don't want to go so far to say it's like it's your responsibility because that's not fair either. But it's, yeah, it's like, well, I'm if restless you feel like if you I can, don't. you should. Yeah, yeah, because it's so, it's just, uh, you know immeasurably helpful to everyone right else, and it's like know, i'm gonna to talk about it anyway and stand up right so yeah, might, yeah. As well, <laughs> exactly. might as well write it down exactly yeah absolutely yeah. so all right i love that so that's, that's me. great that's that's I am. <laughs> no and i um, love that also you talk about like uh the anxiety and the negative because i think i think oh, yeah. a lot of times especially around like breast cancer and there's the whole pink ribbon yes it's called pink stuff. washing pink rushing but pink that it's washing like over a washing yeah. washing like pink washing. you sort of like stick a pink ribbon on it you put a pink like highlight over it and everyone thinks that and it gets a lot of breast cancer survivors angry yeah because they're like a tube of lipstick isn't gonna 
right. at all explain or really convey what this terrible thing was that I went through. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's and really well, they're hard. also putting it on pro- on uh, products that are linked to cancer, which is um, <laughs> ironic. And yes. Mean, right. Uh-huh. Um, but and so I feel like there's a thing with women's and women's cancers where like women have to be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Almost they have to just be like put on a brave face. And it's like. Yes. Really frustrating. And I have a family member who's going through breast cancer right now. And she had a double mastectomy. She has two young children. And she is on Facebook being like real angry about it. And I'm like, oh, I just love it. And I reached out to her. I was like, I so appreciate that you are being angry. Like you're showing what the real feelings feelings are. Yeah. Yeah. Like not Mm -hmm. in like an inappropriate way, but she's like, this kind of sucks. And today sucks. And it's like, yeah. And that's fair. And just... Because then someone else reads that and then they don't feel guilty that they're having those feelings. And that's the thing too. Like even going through my surgeries, I was like, I don't have cancer and I'm too tired to like do anything today. But I see these women posting on social media, they're rock climbing and they're running 10 Ks after cancer treatment. And I'm like... I'm just like a regular girl who like is <laughs> like I wasn't gonna do that on a good day. Yeah, I mean I've never run a five. Like let's be honest, I can't run a mile. Yeah, yeah, and then it just made me feel worse. And that was where I was like, yeah, I wrote a lot about the depression and a lot about like my issues with my body as well because like this is, I mean, breasts are very sexual. They are very personal, and like for me, it was like a relief to remove them and get like healthy these healthy healthy implants <laughs> these fake man-made things that have nothing to do with cancer I love them um, but like some women it's they're like they feel it's a very par- huge part of themselves yeah. and a friend of mine who went through cancer um, she was 33 and it wasn't so she had to have a mastectomy it wasn't her choice mm. and she had to go through all these treatments and chemo and radiation and so for her it was like she was so angry that yeah. And even even we had different mastectomy experiences where she was like so mad that this was decision was made for her. Yeah. You know, she didn't feel empowered how I did. And so yeah. even with yeah. that, I'm very sensitive. Like, this is not the right decision for everyone. Yeah. And I, I recently was on a, featured on a video online and people have written like some <laughs> really mean things. Oh. Really, really terrible things. And well, people will write things like, I didn't worst. even read the video, but this is what I think. And like Really terrible Great, stuff. Helpful. I know. Helpful. Really mean Thank stuff. you for commenting. And, it's, uh, and yeah. everyone get, like always feels like they have a right to opinion, especially when it's like women's bodies that are being discussed. Right. And, and it's and like my number one thing is like this. I'm just sharing what happened for me in case somebody, any bit of it is relatable or, or exactly. can support you. But I don't mind what you do with your body. It's right. your life. Like I, my other thing too is like I don't think this is right for everyone. Like my friend who was forced to have a mastectomy in a sense, I was like I am I felt terrible for her. I, I feel uh, so much sadness and guilt and I just wish I could take all of that away for her and just mm-hmm. like erase it. Um and so I'm like, well, this is what I did in case you choose to go this route, right. but the most important thing and I think like that gets I think when you share something you've done socially public I mean publicly or on social media people assume you're saying to them you should do this too right. and it's right. like I do not think you should do right. anything I do <laughs> like I you know I'm very different and so that is something that like I is really an interesting thing right now like trying to be public trying to like um, help someone who might feel like lonely or afraid or can't bring the conversation to their parents so maybe reading a book's easier or maybe yeah. just reading a chapter like I couldn't even digest a whole book when I was so stressed out about that yeah um but I think it's interesting like when you put yourself out there people think you're telling them what to do yeah always or people just think it's an I mean I'm sure to some extent it's always been human nature but just now in the yeah age we live in of technology people feel like it's not even just their right, but somehow their obligation mm-hmm. to just like 
come like have and an opinion about everything they see like the greatest fucking national epidemic right now is just a lack of critical thinking skills it's mm-hmm. just nobody can mm-hmm. absorb and like just process information and think about it critically and like and, you know, and just personally. like have a discourse yeah, yeah. it's like people yeah. just are so reactionary but that's another podcast yeah that's or fine. is it because <laughs> this really is a podcast about um how people completely garbage people can be but you know <laughs> they really can be garbage <laughs> I will say I, I am very pregnant right now and I am, I am pregnant and I've become a raging bitch. Like I think I've always been a little bit of a bitch deep inside yeah. and now I'm just now like, like out of my way. Like I like they say like women are cranky and I have and I'm like I don't know if it's cranky but I've just like owned my bitch. Like I am just like a full blown bitch and I'll tell friends I'll be like guys today I'm a bitch. So I'm going to talk shit about people. I'm going to be angry at everything and don't mess with me and they're, they're, I've scared many friends. <laughs> they've still they're still my friends thank god but i yeah. was in a rehearsal for a sketch and i just showed up i was like guys i'm a bitch today like yeah. just let's enjoy ourselves but i'm a bitch but isn't it also funny how some people don't we all that person in our lives it just like has set that precedent from the beginning somehow and like god bless them you our know bitches, what i mean the bitches in our lives well yes. right or even just like i was talking about this with someone like recently was it even you aaron i don't remember but just the idea that and I'm such I talk about on the podcast all the time. I'm just like a cr- like crippled by my like people pleasing need uh, oh, that yeah. it's a problem. But, you know, even people like I have like the friend that can take s- two weeks to return a text. And like, that's just fine and normal. And like, <laughs> they, they, and they set own that it. They really the own it. That, yeah. And it's just like, and they that's don't fine. apologize. But if yeah. another person would do that, it would be like an issue where I feel like if I would, you know, right. and then it's the people that like, you know, you have to be like, I'm pregnant and I'm a bitch and accept oh, I have to it. Make it very public. And then like, but other people <laughs> are just like, you know, always that, acting like yeah. garbage. And we're like, you know, it's fine because honestly, Tiffany was always garbage. So I guess this is just what we're doing. And it's I like, know. <laughs> such oh, a well, weird... that's the thing that when people are like, oh, my friend, like when you meet her, she seems like a bitch, but then you get to know her. And I'm like, you don't get no. to know her, you get used to right. it. Yeah, that's so true. I, I hate that. People are like, you know, she sees me and I'm like, no, she's awful. Like my cousin had this friend and she's like, you know, he's just like sassy. And I was like, no, he's a mean person. Right. Yeah. And right. you think it's funny and I hate him. Right. <laughs> and right. I felt guilty I felt guilty even not liking the mean person right. like that's how like, everyone else seems it. fine with it yeah and I'm and like but like, he's a jerk <laughs> like he uses the n-word like oh, oh my yeah, that's god right? but like he right, thinks it's funny you know what I mean like that kind of a of shit person right yeah that's garbage person and it's also like everyone can just be nice when you first meet somebody right? yes and like if you can't pull that off if right. you can't be pleasant for the five ten minutes to have a first impression like then you're garbage. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. There's I no agree. excuse for it unless you're yeah, very yeah. sick or very pregnant. Yeah. And then you get a pass. Right. I think it's really Absolutely. funny when people Absolutely. are like, nobody gets me. And it's like, you haven't tried, you whore. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> no one gets you because you're just a monster. Like, <laughs> nobody wants to get you. Like, yeah, it's awful. Um, I love so everything that's happening. Suck. Should this be the podcast? Let's talk just about us talking about garbage sucks. people and like why they're garbage. Stories, it's just called garbage. Garbage, garbage people. Stories. It's really like this. Uh, it's like the second line of the description. Of this really Ghosted it. stories, aka garbage, garbage. people. So, uh, well, you're married. Yes. Uh, but I hear that you have some ghosted stories that are so, like so a relationship related, but then also maybe professionally related, which we love all sorts of ghosted stories. Um, but first our segment that everybody waits entire podcast for mostly to see if we'll set it up the right way. Cause we never seem to anytime. Um, we want everyone listening to envision you in their mind's eye. So who would play you in your like lifetime movie, oh. autobiographical movie, biographical movie, whatever. I cannot. Who do you, who do you look like? 
I don't know. I really don't know. Do you get anybody? No, I have not. People have seen me in a commercial. And so when I came out with my, I'm the girl from the Brandon, Brendan, Brandon commercial, the secret deodorant one. How do I not know this one? She's like airing her armpits on the secret deodorant. And she's like, Brandon, Brandon, like, and she's like on a date and she's. Okay, well, I'm obviously YouTubing this as soon as we're done. Not to say like, oh, I'm famous, but like I've, I posted stuff for face, um, on Facebook for breast cancer awareness. And people are like, are you the girl from the Brandon commercial? And literally, that's the most comments. Like, you have shitty comments where we're like, grown men tell me I should cut my head off if I have a headache. Sure. Not, you know, since I cut my breasts off. Yeah. Which really mean comments. Sure. That's Whoa. the Thank number you, one mean old men. And then the second is like, all these girls, like, wait a minute. <laughs> were you on the commercial during The Bachelorette? And I was like, yes, I was. I and that's my second number one. Comment. I love this. Yeah. yeah. So I feel I like don't... I watch TV. That's like, all I do is watch TV. I can't believe I haven't seen it. I'm going to look it up after no, this. Don't. I'm Nobody probably going to find it and be like, um, Yes, exactly. No. And so I don't know. I used to like, it's so funny. Like whenever I lose or gain weight, I look like an, a different celebrity. I feel like oh, I gain it in my face. Uh-huh. And so I don't know who I look like this month. <laughs> well, and we're really bad at it too. So yeah. you, look like, you look like a girl I went to college with, but that doesn't happen. I love that. I love when someone's like, you look like my second cousin. I'm like, is Thank she you. ugly? <laughs> like, like, do you like her? Know. Like, I need some more information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you look like um, Sissy Spacek's daughter. I don't know who oh. that is. But without, I can't. Yeah, but she has name? red hair. Right, right. Or I was even. Saying, I mean, then I feel like now because I'm just. I'm like, okay, trying to think of the first. Just her name's like Skylar something. Celebrities nice. that come to mind with like, yeah, sort I of like. like I mean. Amy Adams, but not. Uh, no, really. I don't have a tiny face. Like you right. know, people that have tiny. Yeah. I'm a mix. I'm half Jewish, half Catholic, and it's like Russian Jew and um, Ireland, Wales, and British Catholic. Okay. So it's like I have like yeah, Jewish noses. Her. Oh, All I right. Don't... <laughs> a little bit, maybe. maybe. I don't know. That's nice. Whatever, it's fine. I know. I don't know. I I look like my grandmother, who no one knows. My Aww. bubby. I look just like her. Oh, and we got the baby sonogram today, and he has my nose. Oh my god! And it's you so crazy. I know. It blew me away. That's I was crazy. like, "That's my face. Like that's my nose. That's insane." But it's a boy, so I'm like, "I hope he's good looking. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my son's attractive." Yeah. Because <laughs> it's you know, I wanted to be nice and beat up Nazis. That's like right. all I yes. want. Well, right. Just, exactly. Surprisingly, we need to grow those now. Nazi oh, fighters. that is Horrifying what we're doing. We to, yeah. But yeah. Their exactly. time's over. You just have to, exactly, breed him just to be the most kindest, sensitive, most feminist, Except for when it comes to male. Nazis and then just take and then, him out. Exactly. Then I'm like, because he's going to be so ultra pale, you'll see through his skin. Like, we'll be able to see like when he's digesting food, we'll be like, He'll poo- he's pooping. Um, but I was like, you're going to infiltrate the Nazi camp and you are going to then stab them in their sleep. Which is like a very intense thing for a mother to say to an infant, but like that's our bedtime like story necessary. right now. Yeah. Fetus exactly. right now too, not even an infant. No. But you're ready. You're I'm ready. Him. No, he's like big. He's not yeah. even a fetus. He's like a full baby. They oh said. Oh my god. But oh like yeah, you're saying he, he's like way ahead of his growth he's schedule. Two weeks. He's ahead, already you guys. over. He's gonna be born tonight. Yeah. Like I don't know. He's <laughs> so big. And he um. They yeah. They were like, if he's born now, the only thing is like he might need help with his lungs. Like mm-hmm. his lungs aren't fully developed, but everything else is good to go. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? And you're crazy? only in you're. You're only just coming into your third trimester. Yes, in the third trimester, so and he's they, just going to be overcooking in there. He's yeah, going to be in the third enormous. Trimester, they just grow like everything else yes. is set. Yeah, the main thing that everybody worries about is that those lungs. I think it's like twenty-five or twenty-six weeks is when the lungs get sort of that more development, okay. and that's mm-hmm. sort of like the most risky thing if you have a preemie. Um, but I mean, they have these incredible things like uh, NIC units, and like and it's called neonatal 
neonatal, neonatal intensive, intensive care, care unit. unit. Yes. My mother is a late L&D nurse. Wow. So I feel like I know about all that. Yeah, shit. my sister was in the NICU. She was born like, I think a month or two months ahead and she had like very weak lungs. Mm. And so, yeah, and they have like amazing machines and they help them and they're fine. But it's really that like hump of that 26 or 20... 25th or 26th week. Right. And then it's like they could be okay with assistance. And then they're wow. new, normal. They're just pretty normal. My sister's like a normal person. <laughs> well, normally, yeah, and preemies end up being really big because they give them so many steroids for their lungs. Yeah. And they, they end up or, being giants. Giants. I know. She is very tall. <laughs> <laughs> she's not a giant, but she's tall. Yeah. And she, um, yeah, she's doing great. So it's also like, I don't know. I don't know when this baby's coming, you guys. It's so exciting, though. It's so crazy. I mean, We're jumping about, around. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit about the the book and everything. Like, were you nervous about getting, I mean, this might be very personal. Yes, About I getting was. pregnant. With, For sure. And having oh, well, your I mean, There's nothing too personal. <laughs> there's nothing too personal. Yeah. So, I've, yeah, I have fake boobs right now, and I can't breastfeed, mm-hmm. and which is okay. Like, at the time... I had three years to really think about this mastectomy if I wanted to do it. And I, through a lot of therapy and a lot of conversations and talks with my husband, we were like, we don't really care about bottle fed versus breastfed. Right. Like as long as the baby will be healthy. We were both bottle fed yeah. with formulas. So we we're like, actually, it's fine. Like, right. so we got over that. The minute I got pregnant, I had like a moment of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a terrible mother because I'm mm. going to give him formula that's Ugh. fake. But I found this great German formula and I'm like, have this like hookup from Holland. So I'm like, <laughs> I, you guys, I'm like doing a crazy um, illegal ring. No, it's legal. <laughs> but I'm like, like, it's like a black market of formula. So I'm like finding the best formula for him and everything will be fine. I love it. But I was also worried like, what if it took us a long time to get pregnant? Because yeah. when you're starting to get pregnant, all you hear from everyone is, well, you should start right now because you don't know how long it'll take. It could take right. up to years. And then you need one year before you do fertility treatment. Like people oh scare God. you about yeah. getting pregnant. Oh. First, they tell you don't get pregnant for yeah. years. Then they tell you, be pregnant right now, right now. Be right now or it's not going to happen right away. So good luck. Guys, it happened like immediately. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Wait, how old like are the you? first night. I'm 33 now. Okay. So I got pregnant at 32 and it was so great and he's so healthy and everything's fine. So I was worried that like less breast tissue would also mean like less estrogen. Mm. You know, when my hormones change, would everything change? And this is like this baby is like thriving. He's literally enormous. He's like going to break out on it. So he's, he's going to like come out of me like a, you know, a crab or whatever. It's like a, he's going to break me open. He's, yeah. I'm so scared of him. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like literally like the healthiest, healthy, everything went smoothly. Everything, the labor, thank God, knock on wood is going really great. And so just another reason to like never listen to anyone ever because everyone yeah. is garbage. Well, everybody I think is other terrible. than the three of us and everyone mm-hmm. listening, Everyone else, Everyone else is garbage. Garbage. Well, especially when it comes to uh, your own body, baby stuff too, because it's like you gotta it's set so up, and especially your baby's life. Like I'm a big believer in like healthy mom, healthy baby. So I'm like, if it's bet, like obviously you can't breastfeed, but like even if you could, but you just felt it was a better situation for you to formula for sure. feed, you then just formula feed. Like who oh my cares? God. I, know. I know. I was having like a moment of in from. Listen, I'm yes. the least authority, and I've I've never wanted kids, but like just. The idea, the things I see with my friends who either are pregnant or have kids, yes, and who make them, like, I never realized until having friends that now have babies that, like, what a situation breastfeeding is, that it can be so painful, it can be so hard. Mm -hmm. It's like, who the fuck are you, Tiffany? 
like yeah. that you're Tiffany telling my friend that <laughs> oh my, yeah, yeah that like they're a bad because they did their best to breastfeed and just couldn't or exactly like you're saying or and like just decided for whatever xyz reason this is a better like what the fuck is going on in the world mm-hmm. i know and we have this weird, weird complicated relationship with i think we being like i don't know humans americans especially of there's all this judgment about parenting and we're so obsessed with like if it's not this way and I know the best way and it has to be everything and if you don't give up your life and live your life just for your child and anything else you're doing is so selfish but then on the other hand we can be so cavalier about it you know what I mean just like well, yeah it's like this combination of being so like just having babies left and right and whatever I got like one on this arm one on this arm but if you don't you know mm, live yeah. your life every moment for your baby it's just like what the fuck is happening well oh, it's yeah. really like if you're pregnant or even you mentioned babies like you really are like up for grabs mm-hmm. like people just decide like oh you've mentioned or you look pregnant or I think you might be pregnant I'm gonna this is a free space for me to say or feel whatever I want and it's like I know none of the advice or none of the comments are solicited right. from anybody. Like I was <laughs> telling before this comment, like a lot of these, a lot of people tell me they think I'm having twins, <laughs> strangers, oh and they'll be like, I really think you're having twins. And I'm like, we've never met before. And like, get off, like get your yeah. eyes off my body. Yeah. Stop telling me. One yeah. kid, he had to be like at least 21 at the checkout aisle in Gristides goes, you know what? I bet he's going to come early. I bet you he'll be two months premature. What? I'll put fuck? money like, on I it. I want my baby to be too No, much and then he goes, and you're going to come back and thank me. And I was like, what? what? For like getting the due date rate. And I was like, you don't fucking know that two months premature is a dangerous thing. Like yeah. that's saying to somebody like your kid's going to be born and d- sick. Yeah. And I was like, wow like what an idiot and he was so proud of himself he Mm. thought he thought he picked the golden number like he thought like we were connecting and I was like okay I'm just like can I take my (laughs) Cheez-Its like I just was like get away from me but that's the thing is that every because like we've all come out of a human because we have people in our lives because we have mothers like we've all been born that like people think that that's their green green light common one of yeah Yeah. like this experience that unites us in some yeah. way well and all men think that they are okay Always. to have an opinion yeah. about anything and then for women we're all you know or more or less like either capable of giving birth or like have that capability so then they think it's just like a weird it's also a weird everyone thing. thinks that it's just very it's strange. weird and then i think a lot of like a lot of women i've experienced like are nervous for their own fertility and their own experience that's yeah. all it is so then they come at and they say something to you and it's like no hun this is like really what you're dealing with like right. like you're telling me i need to rush getting pregnant right away because maybe you had trouble and that's your own experience and so um I actually have like two other very good friends of mine. We're all pregnant at the same time and we could have not oh, more different pregnancies. Yeah. <laughs> it's sure. we're so opposite different. And we were like comparing notes and like nothing is the same. And after a while I was like, I can't talk about pregnancy <laughs> with you guys anymore. Like it's right. just like, we just like everything is the total opposite in it, but it really works for each one of us. Right. So that's also the crazy thing is that for something to come to you and tell you something, you're just like, the things people have said to about. me when I say like, oh, I've just, I've just never really wanted to have kids. Like, do they tell you, no, you'll want one day? Do they tell you like, I just can't wait? Even like back when I was doing stand up more, like, I mean, that's mostly like what I had jokes about because it was one of, I guess, I don't know, the it's fun. It's experiences crazy. that I had the most comments on fe- feelings of, and just like, you know, that got me. I mean, a lot of things get me incensed, but like uh-huh. that was just something 
Oh, it's just unimaginable. Like, I would never walk up to a pregnant woman and be like, I think you're going to change your mind. Like, but people think it's completely (laughs) fine to tell me that and that that's not, they don't see it as condescending. They don't see it as Mm -hmm. any of the things that it is. And it's really unbelievable. And just like, it's just no matter what, people are going to have. An opinion. And it's on your it's visceral for these fertility people. Fertility and your it's just yeah, crazy. Like when it comes to your body and your yeah, your fertility, your choices, it is really so important to these strangers. Yeah. And like that's what's so interesting is I'm like, this is about you. You have mm-hmm. nothing. You don't even know yeah. me. You don't know my last name. Like right. Yeah. Right. you can't right. even pronounce my first name. Like I was like, you guys don't know me. Like right. there's a shoe salesman on my street who's so nice and he says hello every day. But every day he's like, the baby's coming tonight, right? I'm like, no, <laughs> sir. Oh, it's not I mean he was saying that when I was three months pregnant. He kept being like, You're so big. And I was like Okay, oh thank you. And like, so it's like, in a way, it's like almost a little bit cute if that's just his ongoing joke that like, clearly we know the baby's not coming, no, it's but not I'm going to every he, day because I'm going to be silly. But no, if it's a comment, he like, oh no, but like, and like it, but it's also hard because he's so earnest. He's like, it's coming today. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no, it's Jesus not. Like, Lord. I love how like, this, that's the thing is like, these people have their own experience and they just like decide mm-hmm. and they are just like going to tell you something because it makes them feel better. It makes them feel like they're good parents or grandparents or that the decision they made was right. And it's, has zero to do with you and it's that's sort of one of the things that the only comments you get I get from people talking about me my body the baby it has nothing to do with me that is like the 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 most crazy thing because somebody could talk up to you about anything your hair color or something else and they're interested and they want to hear what you have to say but when people talk about my unborn child is nothing to do with me right yeah yeah right I mean that's what is growing up it's about it's realizing it's all to do with other people and right. pretty much there's so little that ha- you experience that has anything to do with you right. because everyone's just working through their own thing yeah i just have one Go. story that made me so mad and then God, we can talk about i'm you into it no i want to hear it <laughs> I, I have this girl who's like a friend of a friend and she's nice and she um is it's like trying to get pregnant on her own and whatever and so we were out one night and I guess uh, she and, and the friend that I'm friends with that she's also friends with were talking about how they had a friend who had just had a baby and she had given birth vaginally and they were like, uh, she, and then the one friend goes, she did it the right way. <gasps> and I was going to overturn a table oh and I'm like, there's no God. right way, you dumb bitch. I'm like, it's whatever you decide like it's whatever wow. you decide but it's also, like it's it's whatever the baby decides like if the well, baby exactly. honestly like if the baby is breached if they're upside down if they're not coming out like if girl, they have a short cord you have nothing to do with this like right. you can prep all you want and then you get in that hospital room and that baby tells you how he's coming out i have a friend that like and then spends, that's the yeah. only goal is just to have, have the baby, baby out south safely and have the mom safe right. that's literally the only thing that matters well, and also there are women who are just afraid of giving birth vaginally and that's okay. Oh, that's okay. You're allowed to do whatever you want. Yeah. To get that baby out safely. And also, that is going to really, if she's trying to have kids, and I don't know her, so I don't want to be a garbage person to this perfect stranger, but You'll that will come back her. to bite her. Yeah, it's going to, no, well, that's going to be gonna... very hard for her. Like, if yeah. she goes into this, is if there's a right way and a wrong way, like, that is the number one thing that I've experienced with pregnancy is that, like, there's, n- you have no idea. Like, you're just going to do whatever, whatever the hell's needed, yeah. whatever your baby needs, whatever the doctor says. Like, you literally, like, you're not running the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's very hard for some people to realize. Right. And it's it really. It's such a monumental experience, but then so much of it is. I mean, you, you can parents. have, you like, can, like, it's, I feel bad because, like, some, I know people have, have seen documentaries or read things about, like, hospitals that push their agenda. And, like, yes, you don't want a hospital to 
ram you over the head with whatever they want and push your agenda like you should stand up for yourself but at the end of the day like it's you can't decide what's good or bad it's just how the baby needs to be delivered right and I'm like I'm actually peaceful about that that's like the one thing like I'm, I'm afraid of everything else but like I'm really peaceful with like he'll tell me like when it's time yeah. to come like when it's time for him to arrive like it'll either take forever it'll be well, a short time and yeah. it'll be vaginally or it'll be a cesarean and right. like we'll just figure it out mm-hmm. right and I have no control. <laughs> yeah. But now to hark back to a time. Yeah, let's get about it. <laughs> let's Before it. you had strangers telling you when you were going to uh-huh. give birth. Um, so yeah, so you have two good stories that we were excited about. But why don't we start with how you met your baby daddy? My baby daddy. <laughs> I didn't take no for an answer. <laughs> I love it so much. I, as a fellow person who would not allow myself to be ghosted because I go <laughs> insane. I hate it. Yeah. And ghosting wasn't that big then. Like, I feel like nowadays people are like, because there's a word talking, for it. Yeah, no, people are like, yeah. it's ghosted. Yeah. And like, whatever. He ghosted me. And like, that boys are allowed to do that now. This was in 2006. Mm-hmm. And I, we met. So we, we went to college together. Okay. But we were not, we were in the same class, you guys, the same department, the same program. And we were not friends. I was friends with his friends, but not with him. Did you know of each other? I or? knew of him. Okay. Like, we had like one class together that I didn't really was it like, like him a big in school. Kind of not not our group. Like our group ended up being like forty five people that graduated. Like oh, I, it used to be one hundred and six. I think it got cut way down or forty five wow. to six fifty or something. But I just like never. I remember being like, eh, I don't want. Like I don't. I don't need that. Like I just was like I had my own friends. I actually was friends with mean bullies. Oh, like no. talking about how like you know people are just like bitches and they just right. are that way. When I first was in college and I think a little bit in high school, I had a fascination with people that were just like that blunt. And like, I think at first I took that as power and I was like, wow, that girl just owns it. And they actually just like, like treated me like the scapegoat and like were garbage me and walked all over me and like were mean, like a group of friends were really mean to me. And at first I was attracted to them because I thought like, they wouldn't be mean to me and I thought that like these were people that like really knew what they wanted and they were just so bold and They're so like real. sassy like, yeah. yeah and I thought it was so fun and then eventually like one of the mean girls was like yeah I mean you're just like who we all shit on and I was like oh like she said it out loud and then she denied it she denied that oh she had my. ever said it yeah God. because I like broke but up with them and it was a huge fight sorry yeah. guys this is a whole nother story I keep going on tangents okay you're like my so, heart just went to ice so I remember you saying yeah it, you well, I was so hurt so I had to like end the friendship I've like not, haven't talked to them since wow they're all still yes are they so, still in communication with your now husband though at all was that no the no same so my husband was like you were friends with assholes and I was like you're right and so all of his college friends are now our closest family friends we are so close he is the kindest person and only made friends with the kindest people (laughs) and like so it's so funny like we all went to college and I didn't have these close relationships with his friends even though I was in classes with them and knew them and thought they were great right I was like very consumed with like my horrible friends right and then I graduated and he was like, yeah, I never saw you because why would I hang out with those people? And I was like, you're so great. Like, so, <laughs> so the, the first day we met, so we had a mutual friend who lived in D.C. and I lived in D.C. and Alan lived in um, Baltimore. And okay. so it was only like 45 minutes away. And he's like, let's do a reunion. <laughs> we had one other friend who was also in D.C. Like there was only like 
four of us like but let's have a quote reunion like a month after we all graduated because we all moved back home we were like miserable because we're all theater majors and so the dream (laughs) is to like go to new york or la and like be successful right out of college we're in baltimore i'm in my parents couch like it feels (laughs) awful like i'm in my high school bedroom like it's just it's awful right so i was in a real funk and like i really just hated everything and i was like i'm just gonna go hang out like i don't care like and also There was so, no. So it wasn't like you guys, but obviously social media, and you're like, oh, here's some other alums that are in this area. Let's organize. No, a thing. it was like, even like my friend just texted us because I'm really good friends with his best friend. Okay, got it. So you didn't so know that we friend. Did, so we did, and then he he got called it. Alan, and then called another friend, and we all met up, and my, our mutual friend who we love, Matt, and I will out him on this podcast. He loves bars and discos and wearing fun (laughs) fancy shirts and like the ladies love him and he is just like a party machine and Alan and I were walking and we were in like um Georgetown in DC which is like really popular and it was also where a lot of the people that I went to high school with like a lot of people I went to high school with in Maryland like went to Maryland University University of Maryland and they all like usually flocked to that area and so I was also like I hated everybody I went to high school with like you guys were assholes so I was also like Ugh, like not interested and I was kind of cranky but I was trying to be cool and I was walking and Alan was just like I could see him like looking around being like this is bullshit like it was just like a ton of young drunk idiots right a lot of like and you were like shitty- a month away from that you're like I know I know I know I was <laughs> now I'm, I'm still woman. drunk no I'm still drunk but there was there's that element of like you know how it is like there's like different parties like there's people yeah. that would party at your house get stoned watch a movie you know, maybe they're mean people, but then you pass out and it's fun. Or then there's people that are like major club scene people. And like Alan and I both at this, we were like, we're not that. Right. So he looked around and he turns to me and he goes, God, and this is guys, this is like when I fell in love, he goes, I can't believe it must be so hard for women. Like you guys are here and you know, you're out and like men, they're not going to, all they want to do is have sex with you. Like they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to get to know you. Like they, like aren't going to be communicating with you it's just for that and I was like yes (laughs) never in my life has a person a man put himself in the woman's position saw how ridiculous it was conveyed that to another woman said then compassionately that must be hard because you might want to have a conversation or not feel like having sex at that moment and they only have one agenda I was like, wow. oh my God. I, he said that and I was like, oh shit. Like <laughs> I hit hard. Like that hit me so hard. And I was like, from that moment, I was like, either like I'm going to be in your life, like somehow, either like I'm going to marry you and like have your babies and like be with you forever or like I'll take being a friend right. <laughs> or I'll take being like an online stalker. I was just like, like it blew my mind. I was like, you are a gold person. Like to see that, to hear that and to hear that compassion, hear that like thoughtfulness when there, he had no need to. It was just yeah. his observation. It was just his sincere like moment. He and was the having. way he said it too wasn't like, let me tell you something about women's no, experiences. No, he was just like, he was wow. like, I'm sympathizing, and then I. Uh, yeah. Also, this is awful. Like, this must yeah. be an awful feeling. And I was like, and also as a woman, you're like, duh. Like yeah. anyway, anytime you go out, you're not. If you're going out to a club, you're not going to have a conversation. No, but you know that you're just being looked at. Right. You're being judged. People, everybody wants to have sex with you, basically, because you're a female, and right. it doesn't matter, and mm-hmm. whatever what you say, and with all everything, like, and we have all had terrible experiences in our lives. So it's also like we know men are monsters, and for him to just like say that and not 
he just was like, wow, like he just, that must be like very, very difficult. And I was like, he got nothing. It wasn't a move. We were literally, I can see it this day. We were walking down the street and like, we were like avoiding like those um, little fences around trees. Like I remember like even seeing that, like, like we're just walking and he's just like, wow, that's like, that's awful. Like that must be like really frustrating. And I was like, I need, I need you right now. (laughs) I'm taking off all my clothes. I need to have sex with you right now. Like I like fell so hard for him and couldn't believe it. Like I could not believe that this was real. Because like when you met up with him that night, you didn't see him and be like, oh, Helen's looking pretty good. You were just sort of like, here's the I was like, there's on. Also, I knew his ex-girlfriend when they were breaking up because I wasn't friends with him. So I was the friend that was really good at talking shit about a stranger. (laughs) And I was like, he has mother issues. What a piece of shit. I mean, I talk so much shit about him because I'm so good at boosting up my friends. Yeah, Yeah, I'm like a real good girl. And they were like, they, her friends would say to me like, wow, Caitlin, like nobody, like nobody's able to like make her feel better like you can and the thing was is that because I didn't know Alan everybody else was like well he's a really good person like I mean that's you know like when you're breaking up with like an amazing person and you're like well he does have a good point like you know she was staying she still had two more years of college and he Uh, wanted to move on and like it wasn't passionate in love like it like he loved her in a way but it was also like you know I want to experience life and everybody was like everybody was like kind of like understanding of Alan and I was like fuck that piece of shit he doesn't know what he's missing and so when we actually met up that time I was like there's Alan Ugh, can't be trusted and then I was like, like oh wait this is why she went crazy yeah because she I knew. yeah and I, and I heard I heard that another girlfriend of his when he broke up with her went really crazy too like she like lost her shit I've just because there's always rumors and chats in the drama sure. department so I was like this is why the girls are nuts like this is why because he is incredible like he's incredible like I should not have said anything that I said to my friend because she's wrong (laughs) like (laughs) he's like talk about this now I assume or like I think I found out I told him like a couple months after we started dating I was like well you know because of like Amy I'm sorry is that her name (laughs) she never hears this yeah yeah um and he was like what you were friends and I was like yeah I talk shit about you all the time like I didn't know you (laughs) and he was so upset he like called her and so like I'm sorry like he felt really guilty I felt really guilty at first because I was like I cannot be in love with Alan like I talk so much shit about him and like I had all these like very fake decisions that I made about him because I was claiming like all men were like him and I was like I can't like Alan and so that night I was like I I have to like I gotta like go do something like I I can't be in love with Alan Mm -hmm. And then, like, we had, like, one or two more times hanging out. And I was like, I love him. (laughs) I'm in love with him so hard. But you guys hadn't, like made out or we made out the third time we hung out and he was, was moving it like you guys were hanging out one-on-one then like a couple times no or? it was still with this group oh wow so the third time we hung out we were all watching undercover brother our best friend matt fell asleep and he was drinking too much and alan and i like wanted to kiss alan and i was like i don't know because tomorrow the next day he was leaving for new york city to move there with matt wow his best friend Shiny and he's like matt. should we do this and i'm like we are making, like, I don't care. Like, no, get on me. Like, I was like, we are making, so like, we only made out, but it was during Undercover Brother while Matt was passed out asleep. <laughs> and we were, it's romantic, and Matt was passed out asleep on the bed and we were on the floor. And then, and I was like, I'm crazy about you. And so then he moved to New York with Matt. Literally, I waved to them as they drove off on a U-Haul and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Like the diarrhea began that moment. <laughs> I was just like stressed <laughs> out the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And so 
he was like, he said, you know, he broke up with his ex-girlfriend because he didn't want a, a girlfriend right now. He's moving to the city. He wants to experiment. Not experiment, just like be free. Like sure, feel like yeah. no ties. And he had a yeah. really, really bad childhood. So also like knowing now, I'm like, of course, you just wanted to be free. Like you wanted to get away from your family yeah. and get away from everything. So I was like, okay, like I, I just have to find a way to talk to him. And so I was in a play and like I remember like messaging him and ask him for like some like playlist ideas for like the plagues we needed like pre-show music and then we started talking about music and like I just started like researching things I didn't even care about like what is like an Interpol song that like I didn't even care about but it was like I was in a creepy Interpol I know but yeah but it was like a creepy movie I was in a creepy play and so I like needed like creepy music and then I was like oh I mean this is a good song and he was like it's kind of a creepy song and I was like oh I thought I thought you thought it was a good song like I don't know And like, this was like the time of AIM, like Messenger. And so what I would do, now I am dyslexic and a terrible speller. So that is a nightmare, like the (laughs) speed. And this is before Firefox gave you those little red squigglies if it was misspelled. So what I would do is we started talking on AIM and I would talk to him for like two hours at a chunk at my parents' house, still in Maryland, like so sad. And... I would write the response in Word. Yes. Have I love it. it Google, have it this. checked and then copy and paste it. And I he tells it. me this day, he's like, I was always like, why is she taking so long for her responses? Because like I couldn't, I was so afraid of how bad I spelled. And he's brilliant. Like I knew, what I did know of him is that he's so smart. He's such a good actor. He's such a like wordsmith that I was like, if I am spelling this badly and this is the only form of communication we have, like I got to right. get it together. Yeah. Like I have to nail this. One yeah. yeah. Then we started talking on the phone and then we were talking on the phone for like two to three hours at a time. Wow. And we yeah, actually I like talking on the phone. for so long. I know. And it was so fun. And it was like, I remember like my parents would just be walking by like, hi honey. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm on the phone with the love of my life. <laughs> and like, we would just talk. But this whole time I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't need anything. Like I don't need a boyfriend. Like I was like right. trying lies we tell ourselves. such yeah. no, no. And I knew I was lying. I was like, oh. I am going to be here for when shit goes down in New York City because I had been to New York. I spent a semester here in college and it was a terrible semester for me because it was, we were at, like, we stayed, our dorm was at the New Yorker. Like, the New Yorker Hotel has dorms. Oh my God, I worked, at one point I was working on a show where literally we, like, had offices in the New Yorker. It was the weirdest fucking It's the worst location. There's porn stores all over it's the place. Awful. That There's hotel a meth, is creepy yes. and haunted. There's and, like, a meth clinic right next oh, door. Yeah. Like, it's so scary. Don't. No, it was the worst <laughs> thing ever. And so, I mean, I'm picturing this is in near Port Authority. Yes, yeah. it has to be. Yeah, oh, right. the name. You know, yeah. And then our and our classes were right at Port Authority, so we walked by a town of homeless people that I was always waved hi to, like we were friendly. But it was just a very depressing world. Yeah, it's a bad. And I was like, section. and he was very much about like I need to go to New York and like do it. And I was like, New York's fucking rough. And so yeah. I I didn't know cause at this time, but like. He was like living in New York City and like living his wild life, but he was spending like two to three hours a night inside talking to me on the phone. And I, but he still said like he didn't, like he still like communicated clearly. He didn't want a girlfriend. I was like, I know. So let's talk. (laughs) I know. I was like, but I know you more than anybody (laughs) and I love you harder than anything else in the world. So I'm like, enjoy New York City ladies, but I'm the shit. And so I just, I could not stop talking to him like it just was constant and later I found out because like the whole time because he said he never wanted a girlfriend I was like maybe he's just like a talker and like this is just what we have like we're just gonna be friends and this is like I'm still living for this like it's still like the best part of my day but like maybe this is just I I, didn't know if anything would happen he was like Caitlin like like no man talks to a girl for two hours every night he's like (laughs) what boy is doing that I was like I don't know 
exactly. Yeah. yeah. But like, like I, like, I, I like know. found in the beginning, like there were, like he, he could have ghosted me. He, he could have, like, it's all laid out there. Like I'm yeah. going to New York. I don't want any ties attached. Right. And I literally he was, was like, trying. trying. Like, yeah. And I was like, but you know what? Let me ask you about this set piece um, <laughs> for theater. And I just was like, found ways to like <laughs> articles to send him and just like ways to keep in yeah. touch. And was just like, I hope he thinks I'm sexy. <laughs> like, and then we like fell in love with each other's brains, which mm-hmm. was kind of great. That's is that great. like, we had so much in common. We like think of the things the same way. And like, I just loved his brain. And like, that was what I fell in love with. I was just like, his brain is incredible. Like the way he looks at the world, the way he processes things, his compassion, his like, he puts himself in the other person's shoes. And like, Still to this day, I'm like so obsessed with him. Like he is my absolute Aww. favorite. Like I know, you can he's tell it's so sweet. He's yeah. the shit. Like mm-hmm. he is the shit, and I just feel so lucky that like he likes me back. Which like could sound really pathetic, but I'm like I'm so crazy about him, and it, and it worked out that like he was really happy too this time, and it was like he was trying to like keep it on the DL, and I was just sobbing. I was like, I hope you like me. Like I was so emotional. <laughs> well, wait, yeah, was how did that conversation? You guys, like, yeah. ended up together. So I went and visited him. So we started, so he left in August and then like, I think he was coming back in for Thanksgiving and he's like, I mean, like you can like come by if you want. And I was like, yeah. And, but like my parents were really upset. They were like, you know, you're a girl, like you're driving at the Thanksgiving evening to Baltimore city by yourself. Like he should come to you. Like my parents are kind of in the beginning, they were like, why isn't he making more of like an effort? And I was like, I have a feeling he really like there's something going on like I don't think it's that he's not trying to court me I think he there's something going on and when I went there I saw like for him to spend time away from his family when he's visiting would it created so many issues and so there I was absolutely right like I I could tell that like his his intentions his happiness like he wants to be with me like he wanted to be there but then I think Thanksgiving happened or then Christmas happened and I went back out again and my dad was really over it he's like a second time and he's not gonna I was like I also like didn't want him to like come into my family because I have a huge, amazingly loving, loving family. But it's a lot for somebody who's in New York City is trying to maybe not be committed. I was like to have him come to my house. It's like you're getting married right away. Like like it's it's a lot. And it's not just like coming to Maryland to meet up. It would be like we wanted to be at one of the person's houses so we could like make out. So like every time we hung out, we obviously made out plenty. Um, And so then for Christmas, I went back to him. And then I think in between Christmas and New Year's, like he something, or maybe it was before, like I remember I, then I went up to New York city cause a friend of mine was going up and like, I remember like crying on his lap being like, if you don't be my boyfriend now, like you'll never be my boyfriend. He's like, oh, I just can't right now. Okay. He, he was really stuck. And then New Year's, both of us had experiences where other people were trying to hook up with us on New Year's. We're oh, so wow. hot. you guys. No. <laughs> but like, we were like both like at parties and both of us were like, ew, I want, you know, I, I was like, I want Alan. He's like, I want Katie. And so New Year's was when we were like, I think, like we said it out loud and we yeah. were like, yeah, it's really. And then we like didn't tell our friends until like end of February or like, and then he came out and spent more time with me and like it, it all started like working out. And then eventually um, I did this great trip with my mom and her best friend at the time we went to India and oh, Singapore awesome. and like it was amazing. But during that time I like spent so much on collect calls calling Alan and like so wrote him so many letters and Aww. like it was we were like, we started telling people 
slowly because in the drama department we had all like just gone out of college but it's like the most gossipy yeah. crazy mm-hmm. drama shit and so we were like waiting to tell our friends because also like they knew about the other girl and like all this stuff say, like yeah, it's a so much drama because, yeah, yeah you're so this, like mutual friend group it was like this really intense I was very anxious that whole time and then I ended up moving up to New York City like my plan was to move up here eventually I couldn't afford it at first right. and I got um, a sublet here, but I was at his house all the time. And then it was three months my sublet was up. His lease was ending. And then we were like, let's move in together. But we got a, wow. a buffer. Like we got another friend to live with who we all, we were not compatible with in any way. But it was kind of great because like you had this buffer. So like we'd only been together in person together three months. Right. So it was mm-hmm. like, but all I want to do is be around him all the time. Same with right. him. And, and right. he said that he was looking for apartments without me. And he was like, I don't think Katie would feel safe here I don't mm. think she'd feel safe walking like so then he was like let's just do it together which was like a dream come true so we had this like other roommate so it was sort of like us against them him against us so it kind of like got us even closer together <laughs> oh God, yeah. common enemy yeah 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 so we um <laughs> I hope he's not listening um so we yeah so like we officially told everybody we were like together together like I think in February and what was was it like People thought it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. So Alan in college was like very angry and very upset. And like I said, he had a really terrible childhood. So he came with like so much anger. Now he is a a sweetheart, sweet pea, the most sensitive, caring person. He volunteers twice a week, once at a soup kitchen, a second at formerly a home for formerly incarcerated women who are getting in their families and children, like figuring out their lives, getting back. So he's the kindest person in the world, but he had like he had needed the work needed therapy yeah. needed it so he was angry he was like a bumbling angry guy in college and I was a drunk <laughs> crying girl <laughs> I was drunk and, stro- and stoned and crying exclusively because it was like <laughs> theater school and I'm like feeling my feelings and I'm like oh my god and I have mean friends and I have like oh, so much happening so oh it was a God. really terrible time. So it was people were like, Katie and Alan, like you guys couldn't like and I'm like crying all the time, but like still miss sunshine. And I'm like, everything's fine. Like I'm like a very high voice, happy, trying to be bubbly until right. I drink too much. And then I sob and cry about like, you know, homelessness <laughs> epidemic. <laughs> like it's all fun until it's not. And he's like angry and like wants to punch a wall. Doesn't. But like, you know, it's just like an right. fuming and both of our monologues, theater monologues, couldn't be more different. You know, like he's like feeling the anger and I'm trying to do, you know, Legally Blonde. And like, (laughs) we're just, it's so funny. So nobody could figure it out. And then when they saw us together, they were like, oh, that's it. Like, because I deeply inside, like have like a very angry side to me. And he is like a love bug. So it was like, so we just like fit really well. And like, like any relationship, it was like really hard in the beginning when you learn how to, first learn how to communicate. I think that's the thing that like, I really wasn't, I was never, uh, both of us were just like not going to give up. I think that's a thing that I'm really lucky that like in 2006, there was no like Twitter or like, um, not Twitter, um, Tinder Tinder, and like Bumble and all that stuff. Like you really like, I feel like nowadays there's, you have the opportunity to just be very impatient. And if some, if one or two things go wrong, forget that person. I was like, you are it. (laughs) I was like, I will take all of it. I will take your weird family shit. I will take the history of ours. Like uh, he he took my like trying to get sober and get better. I mean, like we like took that shit in. And I think it's when you meet someone that you're just like, you're incredible. Like I'll do whatever it takes. Then you do literally do whatever it takes. Like you, you have to go through like so much and learn how to communicate, learn like what 
what things are off limits to argue about, what you can't say in an argument. Yeah. Yeah. You can say, you know, you, you're acting like this person or that person. Like there's certain things and right. certain words you can't. I mean, we're still learning. Like, and it's been really hard. Like we made so much preg- progress and then I got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, I'm like slamming chairs up and down. And I'm like, you're not listening. Like I, the hormones are flying and we're the opposite. He's like, you are the most angry person ever. And I'm like, I can't help it. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm like so lucky. You're like, that's hanging in there. fresh coming from you, angry Alex. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. He's the most peaceful person. He's never mad. And I'm like a raging lunatic right now. So it's just, I just fucking love him. He's Aww. just so great. He's so wonderful. And um, when I met him, I was like, I want to have your babies. And I want to get married tonight. And he's like, no thanks. Like he he was not into any of this for a really long time. And then five years later, no, what was it? We've been together for 10 years. We oh, got wow. married, or almost 11. We got married like after five years. And then now we've had, so then it's like the, yeah, then later then we have a baby now. So it's, yeah. yeah. So it's crazy. Here's to what you can up, can <laughs> end up with when you don't fucking ghost people and dispose of people. Exactly it, what you're saying. And I mean, that's what we talk about. Well, this podcast is founded on that like dating is yeah. so fucked up right now yeah. and maybe always has been in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nobody wants to put in the work and yeah. and, you know, uh, treat people like human beings with faults and with inconveniences, you know, and that's why people end up just ghosting and being cowards. And it's hard because like I like. I going to New York City there are so many people and I say like if I wasn't with Alan like I would be the biggest whore like I would just like (laughs) I fall in love with everyone like I I, like I have like um, I'm a UCB performer and I'm in the community and like I think there are so many like brilliant talented people and so I've had like I have talent crushes on everybody like I'm always like wow that's so fascinating I'm like I would be such a slut because I would just fall in <laughs> love with these people like right. you do an amazing improv scene and I'm like I love you take my body like it's just like like it's such so a it's turn best, on yeah, yeah yeah it's a very good thing and um I'm still very into my husband but it's it's like that is sort of I feel really lucky because it is a rough freaking world out there and and it's weird like it's it's just like really weird and I have a really hard time anyway with social media and like social presence and you know, trying to post things for my book and say like, everything's great by my book. And then like that night I'm having like a night where I'm just crying and feeling emotional or like, Mm -hmm. don't want to, don't feel like leaving the house and feeling depressed. But it's like, you can't, you can't put that out there. If you're trying to date somebody, if you're trying to like hook up with someone, you can't be like, today's a rough day. (laughs) Like you're, you're kind of, you also always have to be on, I feel like right now with like dating and in the social media world, like it's back and like, back in our day like only 10 years ago like you could have a quiet lag time because you're only on aim like you're not right. showing your face constantly yep exactly you're not facetiming and like facebook was like fine but when you first dated somebody like you don't want to put too much on each other's pages so you weren't yeah. really on facebook that facebook much. wasn't even the same back then mm-hmm. like no, i feel like so i different. literally it wasn't even that long i mean it was mm-hmm. like 10 years ago that even you could tag people in pictures. Like I remember when that started being a thing, like, Oh no, you can tag people in pictures. Like now this evolution mm-hmm. of Facebook, like, yeah, it wasn't yeah. the same at all. So you really, I felt like you didn't have to be as on mm-hmm. or when you were like, because like dating, it's hard because you want someone to get to know you mm-hmm. as yourself, but no one is going to want to sit next to the girl sobbing in the corner. Like you do have to like get to a certain point. I remember even like, 
I like have dealt with issues with depression. I've had eating disorders. I've had weird shit with men. I mean, like we all have so much stuff. But I remember even with Alan being like, I have to slowly like introduce all these things with him. I was like, I really like him. He really likes me. But I'm like, he doesn't need to hear about my weird issues with food like the first week we did. Right. <laughs> like, like right. yeah. I remember right. even like wanting to delay sort of release of information because I think that is not to be sneaky, but I just think that's a lot to put on somebody like nowadays you're sort of like this is all of me and people kind of get all of you in this whiff and this like wash over and you can go on someone's Instagram and look at everything about them and read all of their stuff and read all their garb like their personal like demons for sure where like before it was a little bit more I could kind of slowly go through it so for us it was like a very helpful thing and then I slowly learned things about his stuff and like so so it was a nice gradual getting to know each other in the pace that we wanted to do it. Like he knows literally everything about me, but I wasn't going to have him know that in the first five minutes. So it's that like old thing of like, I remember like, sorry, like old movies in the eighties. It's like the girls would be like, you talk too much in the first date. And it's like, now they just look you up and it's, you give too much away. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's really hard. It is. And especially doing like, you know, having a career Any presence, like yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. That is part of, anyone can look up like back I have a boyfriend but like when I was dating or even with the, the my boyfriend now like you know guys being if you go on a second date and guys just being like well you know I saw some of your stuff and like which is fine or whatever we're all out there stalking each other but it's like it's a different level it's such a weird fucking thing and it's, it's like, not well, at your I don't speed need... exactly yeah exactly like I'm not gonna not put shit out there I know that is part of my career because so you want to get booked on a show date, but yeah. like also and I don't begrudge anyone for Googling me because I'm going to Google you and that's fine yeah. and that's what we are doing. But like, it's very strange. It's very strange. And like, I think of, it's hard because I think of like then years and years and years ago when you knew nothing about a person that could also be very dangerous. And right. like, I think of like during my mom's time, I'm like, God, you just meet somebody and you like literally don't know anything. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. And you just have to take their word for it. And like, that was very much a time of like, I don't know, but there's so much, people were so much more present then, you know, and it's a time of like under, like meeting somebody, you actually meet them and how they are and their actions, all that speaks for who they are instead of being like, oh yeah, look at my great Twitter jokes. Like it's, it's a really different world. And I think I would be like just a basket case right now. I mean, like Alan helped me getting sober. He helped me to have courage to get the mastectomy, to write this book, to like, to do what I'm doing like I mean that what's so lovely is like when you have a partner that you like both admire each other that they can help you and like I am a person who works well with others like when I'm by myself it's like not always great (laughs) like if I I think I want to be alone I think I want to isolate but it's not I'm not like really getting anything done or I get kind of depressed or I just kind of like wallow in it and so for me, like having a partner to do things with is really necessary. I really love like that cohabitation, all of it. And so I think like, I think I would just be really, really bad if I was out there and I like pray nothing happens to Alan, not good because I don't know what I do. I would just be, you know, I would just go full blown crazy person and I would probably do what I did. And I was like, I'm love you and I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's really my game plan. And like, I think it's so funny when I, friends of mine are like, you know, he hasn't texted me and I'm going to wait a couple days and play. Like I can't play games. I'm like, I like you. You might be uncomfortable with how much I like you, but I'll just hang out (laughs) until you get comfortable. Until you get used to me and then we'll be fine. Until you realize this is it. Like (laughs) this is the best thing you're ever going to see. Right. 
we're gonna get married right you don't know it yet but it's gonna happen (laughs) yeah i was yeah i was the exact same way where i was like immediately text i would do crazy person stuff and just to get them to pay attention we'd be like i know you're mad at me but you're paying attention to me (laughs) but you're talking to me you're talking to me so it feels like a win and it wasn't it was crazy i was a crazy person thank god for pat because otherwise it would be rough stuff out there Oh it's my God. rough. It I was so 100% rough. the opposite. I was like, mm, you don't affect me at all. That's fine. I mean, but meanwhile, I'm like sobbing in my bed. Oof. But like my biggest fear was that anybody would think that they at all affected my yeah. emotions at all. Well, Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and I, I mean, was that's the, the other way to like, counterfeit All of this it, is fine. Bye. But I, yeah, I feel like that's the other way to survive. Right. Like when people are mean and sort of like heartless in this, like I think it's very mean to ghost people. I think it's very mean to like not respond. And I have a, a lot of good friends like dating right now and like feeling how they feel where they're like, God, it was so wonderful. And like talking to them, I I think that is just like so mean and so awful. So I do feel like the response you have to give is like, that's mean and that's terrible. And I'm not going to dignify you. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you attention for that behavior. Right. And I'm not going to, I'm sure it might work with other girls and you get some sort of positive, you get some sort of attention from having some feeling like someone's right. obsessed with you, but right. you don't deserve that if you behave this way. Right. Now that's very hard to do. Like right. when you feel emotional, God, after you have sex with somebody, I mean yeah. like I'm an emotional wreck. Right. <laughs> like, I've, yeah. I've never been a girl who's like chill with casual sex. I was like, we had sex. <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you were inside me. Like guys, <laughs> this isn't casual. <laughs> this is a penis. <laughs> it's like in my face. Like <laughs> this is real. <laughs> like I'm not, yeah. I'm not somebody who can uh, handle yeah. that. <laughs> so, I was always like, I think I knew that as a, even as a young kid, I was like, if I have sex with somebody, I can't do anything casual. Right. <laughs> I won't ever be able to do that. But yeah. Yeah. I'm just not that way. But, um, but yeah, I think that is like the way how you were saying is like not letting them affect you or show anything is like the way to combat that right. real selfishness. Right. Yeah. Which and also, I mean, you know, that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. It's like times that then I regret that I wish I would have at least been like, here's why you're a terrible person. But then also, you know. I don't know, but do you want to take that on? It's like, I, then you have to be every know. guy's therapist. And right. Like, then you're his mom. Exactly. And it's like, you, unless that person blows you away right. and is the most incredible person you've ever met, you do not need to like cure them. Right. Yeah. Right. Or even give them attention for that. Right. And also like nowadays it's like, you don't know what else they're doing. Like, I feel like, I feel like there's so many more opportunities for guys and girls to just be like so much more like shady and lying and and sneaky oh completely it's just like it's all built up it's so much easier for them totally and so that that would make me like absolutely crazy i know it's rough yeah. i know i tried to tell myself that i was into casual sex because everyone around me was <laughs> and then finally i was like this is this is not Ugh, for me like no. this is a rough i go through a rough period i don't like it i think when hot. i went through a time when i was really into it when i was into it and it was working for me and i think it just also because it was just that right level of guy where I was like, yeah, yeah. you're fun, but yeah. like literally don't give a shit you about you. Like there's a few yeah. people. Yeah. Like, and it just kind of, it's like, it's fun till it's not. And then I think yes. then one day it was like, so not fun. Yeah. It was like the exact opposite right, of fun. And, and like, then I get... was like, no, I'm over this, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, it just totally depends on like the state of mind you're in and the random combination of people that might come into your life at that I time. Know. You know what I mean? Because even if you're in that time, but then it's a guy you really, you really like, and they're not giving you the time Ugh. of day, and then that makes it fucked up, I obviously. Know. And like, it's a whole thing, you guys. Do you want to tell us about the, your ghost, your book agent <laughs> who ghosted you? I know, I could like, talk about I, I mean, No, like, I'll talk to you. Time is it good? 
we're doing time. literally nothing. Yeah. I just don't so want to be exhausted. From no, I'm fabulous. Sorry, okay. Um, no, so I was, so when I thought of writing this book, so this is way back, back to the book, what you're talking about. Sorry, listener. <laughs> we're taking you, you're going to know you're everything about it. me. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> so when I thought, of, so before I wrote the book, I did a documentary called Screw You Cancer with Glamour.com. And basically um. it was, I contacted them because I wanted to do like blogging, like before and after my um, appointments for the mastectomy to tell them about um, just like because I went on YouTube and there was like nothing there. There was like oh, like wow. it was only women who had had cancer who had had mastectomies. There was nobody who was young. There's nobody who had a good story. It's That's all terrible stories. And there was no one out there. And I was like, you know what? What if I provided like a before and after and just direct to camera and be like, this is how the doctor's appointment went. This yeah. is what they said. So I approached Glamour and they were like, we want to do a full documentary. Like we have a new production company. Awesome. So they, it went, we were shooting while it was happening and they wow. were loading it and, and posting it like a couple days after everything was happening. And so wow. it was very immediate and very exciting. And being a person like in the entertainment, you know, the little I know about the entertainment industry from the actor's point of view, I did know that like they could very easily take advantage of me. So I reached out to a lot of friends and people that were also in the industry and sort of asked about, do they have a lawyer? I could have a look at a contract. Is yeah. there a manager? Is there an agent? And I reached out to a friend to ask about like a comedy agent. Cause I was like, if I start, if I'm exposing all the stuff about myself, maybe I could like work with like a comedy agent because then, because I'm going to also be doing stand up. So I was like, yeah. maybe this could be something that I could also get help with or just totally. have somebody like look out for me. Uh -huh. um, because as lovely as it is to like share it all, I just know that like companies can, even if they're best intentions or you talk to somebody who's really lovely, the next person who takes the material can do whatever they want with it. So I was very strict with them and I like got very tight and very business on everything Good. we did which was yeah I was happy about which you have to do because no one else is going to look out for you the way no, that you're going you to no. look out for yourself and I really like am so fine I'm so highly aware of like how you can get screwed over I don't know yeah. if it's like yeah. ever since I was a kid I was like no that's shady like I know I can like <laughs> yeah. see a swindler before they even start and so I this was one of the things I was doing where I was like well maybe a friend of mine could connect me to an agent they could help um but the agent turned me down and was like uh you're not famous or anything like you're not oh, you know you're not on MTV so like why would we rep you but he goes but I think your story is a good and it could be a book so we that's went to brunch still also, PS that's a point I mean this could be I talk about this forever that's a point of getting an agent that's their oh, job no, no, no. if you're, if you're not famous job. it's really bad yeah yeah it's a whole world it's, and even if you listen I have a friend who's a famous actress and she gets her own work too oh so yeah, it for never sure. stops it's never like you don't get to exactly. a level no, right. no, no, no I also right. have friends who are agents and they're wonderful right. oh <laughs> sure yeah so um so we went to brunch where he basically broke to me that like he isn't going to rep me, but he brought this agent also from his company and he was like, I think your story is a book actually. And I don't think like, I can't see why you do any comedy work from this, but which I was like, thank you. That's also so, <laughs> it's literally I mean, all my, don't even... all my comedy work right now is on this. So it's fine. Uh, it's fine. I'm I know kidding. it's a whole I was thing. Just it's a whole thing. I was there, having a conversation very similar to this with a friend of mine earlier this afternoon, and it's yeah. just you know what. And I'll shout her out to you, Babe Parker, who gives the best advice, and she's the most supportive, wonderful person and friend. And she's been a guest on the podcast. And she's been a, a guest on this podcast. But um, she always says, you know, and like 
Oprah and other famous people always talk about like when people discourage you, that's like literally when you're on the right track Mm -hmm. you know like when people can feel some sort of like universal law that when you're literally on the right path that is when people will try to pull you off of it and it's because you're on the right track and people are like threatened by that in ways or they don't understand it and it's like too much for them it's yeah well because people have their own shit too so people are like i could write a book but here are the reasons why i don't so they're like she can't write a book and here are the reasons why she can't it's like, and no, also p.s i'm so- sure lots of agents are nice people and shout out to my agent who's yeah. a lovely person but like <laughs> yeah but also a lot of like agents and managers and people inside of it are people who had their dreams crashed and yeah. those who can't teach so yeah. sorry well, not sorry like, like yeah. and they have their own agenda and personal shit and that they want to kind of like sometimes crush your dreams too mm-hmm. and like so he, he was just like, it was like, I think it was also like monetary. He was like, you're not famous. I only want to be with famous people right now. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, that's the story of my life. You're never famous enough, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, but we sat with this agent and she was like, and so I told her my story. She was so interested. She's like, it totally could be a book. She was like, I'll send you um, some samples of book proposals. Cause that's sort of the next step is once you have your idea with it, when it's nonfiction, it's supposed to, when it's fiction, you write the whole book on your own. But when it's nonfiction, you write the proposal first to a publishing company to see if they will finance the book. And then you have like right. a certain amount of time to write the book. Or to finish writing it, you know. Um, so she gave me a couple proposals and like gave me some like like one or two ins- explanations. And then it was like radio silence. And I was like, okay, I kept checking in. And she was like, okay, great. And like I was getting radio silence from her. I was getting radio silence from the agent before the the um, comedy agent for you officially was like, I could tell it was not happening. Right. So that was really weird. And then it was like months went by and I was like, maybe my proposal's not good. So I went, I met with friends. I tried to like have other people that wrote books like Selena and yeah, was Selena asking Kopic, Selena Kopic, a wonderful human. And I was asking them questions like, how do you, how did you put your proposal together? Cause the proposal, whether you're, you think you're a good writer or not, like it really just, you have to have this great package and the proposal involves um, your other competition in the industry, what you'll do for marketing, what celebrities you know yeah. to help sell it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's actually like a packet that you would assume like an intern would provide, but you have to provide like a full yeah. material, marketing material and like package for them. Yeah. So I was like waking out and I kept emailing her and asking her questions. She didn't respond. She didn't respond. She didn't respond. Then finally, so this was like months going on and I'm getting kind of anxious because another girl who's not very nice but she said to me like well you gotta you know screw you cancer's going really well so you gotta get this book in like while the fire's still hot because you know you don't want to like it's hot right now i know i was like like, also that didn't occur to me so thanks for i was like that's awful like and also they put more pressure on someone who's ever written a book who's just trying to like help people i'm like that was terrible so that was like adding more stress and so then i finally called her office and she picks up and she's like hello and it was startled in her. tone? Oh, yeah. No, she didn't know. I don't think she knew it was me. And I was like, hi, this is Caitlin Brodnick. Like, I'm calling. And she goes, oh, um, yeah. I mean, uh, like, I'm really busy. And just was so oh rude. Oh, my God. Then she said to me, I mean, you don't even have, like, if you don't have over, like, 5,000 Twitter followers, it's like, uh, no one's going to look at you. Jesus Caitlin, Christ. if I, I mean, can we then just she, all like, collectively she threw that in my have a face. podcast about that? <laughs> because clearly, your social media following translates to the other, I mean, and I, I looked at all these, all these other authors, none of them were on social media, 
I was like, I've never heard that before. I was like, this is, this book is a tool to help other women. Like I am not famous. And that's the point. It's like Angelina Jolie did so much with exposure, but she's not going to show you the inside of her home. Right. Like the point is, is that I'm not some shiny celebrity that I'm a regular person who's just going to be very honest. Um, and she was so rude and so condescending and was like, I mean, like, I don't even know what the point is. Like you, like, I don't know what you want from me. So awful. And so that was like, that was so heartbreaking, but it got me so angry. Yeah. And I was like, I am writing this book. And it fueled me because I am dyslexic and I have, I was always in the slowest reading and spelling because of my dyslexia and it was never diagnosed. And like, we didn't realize until I was like in college, which was like pretty far away. Um, And so I never thought I was smart enough to ever write a book. Like I never, I really didn't think I had the chops for it. And then, and so even when I was responding with her, I kind of felt a little fraudulent. I felt like, oh, I'm like, this is a big risk. And this is like a big get if I ever did sell a book. And when you write the proposal, you write about like how your book's going to sell so great. Like you really have to like shoot so much smoke up your own ass and talk about yourself in the third person. It's very weird. And so I'm like, (laughs) I'm like doing this and felt kind of off. And then when she said no in like such a disgusting way and didn't care she didn't answer any email before that she didn't answer any phone like anything and then when I finally talked to her that's what she said I was like you're awful and this isn't about being famous and same with the other agent I was like this isn't about being famous like this is about serving another woman and this is about having a girl who is just as afraid as I was and she needs this and and her aunt might need it and give it to her as a gift like I was like this is I got so angry and was so frustrated because it was so opposite of what I was trying to do and achieve yeah. that I was like I'm writing this book and I got furious and just wrote and wrote, wrote and then cold emailed like 30 agents like just cold emailed them all and was like here's my screw you cancer series here's what I've done I'm a comedian this and that and I had this agent who like was so lovely Hannah she's like so special Aww. and she was like this is a big deal and she completely got what I was talking about and that was like and we just like hit it off and this agent sat with me wrote my proposal with me helped me write it like gave me help every step of the way I'd send it to her she did she edited it on her own she did suggestions I mean she went through every piece with me to make sure it was the best piece that I could ever do it was a hundred percent different than any of those shitty proposals that the other agent gave me it was beautifully done and she she spent like a year with me working on the proposal and she wasn't even getting paid. Like you don't get paid until we get the book sale. So she is just like, that's just like what she did. And she took every phone call. She, every email she emailed right away. Like she really treated me with so much like love and respect and had so much passion. And we would have like calls when we were like talking about like book design covers or this or that. And she's like, I could tell how you were feeling by over the phone. (laughs) She was like, let's talk about it. (laughs) Or we would like have a, have a big discussion with something. And she's like, let's talk early first. And so we, we would talk first and then we would do like a conference call. Like she just was so loving. And I was like, if, if that agent hadn't, if that agent had kept going with me, or if I had let myself be sort of like stuck with her or treated like a doormat with her, like I would never be where I am. And I wouldn't have had my editor who also, she was like, the kindest woman I'm with seal press, which is a, um, an imprint of Hachette group and Hachette groups huge. And seal press is an all women for women by women. And it's so lovely. My editor is so kind and Laura, and she just like went through 
then Laura helped me and held my hand all the way. Like it was just like so lovely. Right. Cause they're, and they champion you and that's yes. like what you need. And, so and just, please hard. tell me that you sent a copy of the book to that editor. Oh no, 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 no. I'll, I'll never look at her. I'll never speak to her. I don't oh want like anything God. to do with her. Like I literally don't. And we have a mutual friend and my friend will be like, Oh wow. I can't believe she was like that, but they're still friends. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, oh my God. Send her an autographed copy. <sighs> no, no, I don't want have anything to, to do with her. Like and I'm sure she knows Girl, too. No, I mean, yeah, yeah she should it see it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you guys, like, I love it. Like, I'm like, be petty for me. But I just was like, I don't, that, and like, I don't even talk about it because I'm like, you were so disrespectful in, in a way that like, I don't think she understood she was disrespectful. Yeah, like, she's just like, a, she was like a selfish little brat. She was also the younger than me. disrespectful people don't, 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 don't realize know. it. Like, she was younger than me. Mm-hmm. She was like, obviously very privileged. And I was like, wow, like, you really like were tearing me down and you had no idea what you were talking about. And now, like, I have women who said that, like, my book, you know, helps them communicate better with their sister. Or that, like, you know, this really, that people were crying and laughing reading the book. And I was like, that's all I wanted to provide. And she did not get it. Like, she didn't understand it all. Now my agent, my agent's such a good person. She left the agency and now she's going to school for social work. <laughs> and I'm like, that's exactly the agent I would need. Like, I would need an agent, a lit agent who's actually, like, the most kindest person totally. in the world. Who's actually wants to go help people. But right. I was so lucky she worked with me for that little time. Yeah. The few years that we had, but it was, it was so, it worked out so perfectly. But at the time, like I felt so bad. I felt so bad about myself yeah. and I asked friends and asked other people. And like, I like put a message on Facebook. I was like, please follow me on Twitter because I want to s- write this book to help other people. Like if it's about Twitter, like please help me. And like, I yeah. like asked people to follow me. Like I, it was really a thing where I got really it's wrapped up me, in it. I want to like flip the table over the yeah. amount of times yeah. I've heard that in my life. And then the amount of times I've been involved on the other side of a project where the network I work for has insisted on hiring like XYZ person because of the amount of Twitter followers they have or Instagram followers they have because they think somehow that A is indicative of your no. ability to do something completely different, like no. be on camera on a television show, right. A, or that B, people will follow you to that other thing nothing is fucking related no. with anything it makes like just because and someone could be big on twitter and, and no one would give a shit person. about their book and like it's just like everyone's insane mm-hmm. not everyone's making fear-based decisions well, twitter's gonna fear-based end soon anyway <laughs> not gonna last forever it's not doing well and then also so now on twitter so like now i'm on there i have a bunch of followers i'm verified like all this crazy shit all the things i thought i needed and I really only communicate with two or three people that are also like breast cancer prevention people and nobody else, like no one comes at me from Twitter for my book. Right. Nobody talks to me. Nobody asks me a question on Twitter. If you're going to ask me, you'll Google my name, find the website and message me right. that way. Or you'll find my email or like the email I use on Instagram. Like people, right. people don't, I've had no, I've had one thing where somebody it was a daytime t- uh, news show in D.C. where they contacted me on Twitter and said, like, couldn't you come in to talk about your book? But people think, One that's, thing. In- people think that's indicative of just like, oh, you have X... You have X many Twitter followers. That means you have X many fans and X many people who are going to buy your book. But that's categorically false. Like, well, and yeah, people and I will not just because they follow you on Twitter doesn't mean they give a shit about reading. Like, well, the, nothing is related. No. It doesn't translate. And Twitter also doesn't. I feel like their algorithms weird sometimes. Where like, I'll look at, I'll see somebody's Twitter all the time. Like, I'll see somebody pops up all the time, and then someone who's a good friend of mine. Like, I never see what they post on Twitter because there's it's so dense right now that there's just it's whatever's up or you always see like what's trending and it's always some awful man who's 
been uh, accused of something else terrible. But like, I don't see everything on Twitter. So I'm like, even my quote unquote, like audience, they, it's not even those people all the time. Maybe Mm. I'm not on on Twitter when they're on Twitter. Or like, maybe I tweet about, you know, I tweeted about like Real Housewives and got like a couple responses from perfect strangers like that I don't know. So it's just like, it's just so stupid. It's also stupid and, and it's yeah. going to make me insane. Yeah, but I also think it's like that's the kind of thing that if, and I had like my husband and other really great people talk to me and they were like, you know, if that is this person's business model, like one, it's an excuse. It's not very creative, you know, and like, and two, like, do you really want to work with that person? That's exactly what I was going to say. And that like anytime stuff like that comes up, that is the biggest reveal to me mm-hmm. that I do not want to work with that person, mm-hmm. which is great because now neither one of us will waste our time. Yeah. Because they don't know how life works. And no. we do. Yeah. And we'll go out and no, do our thing but I love and deliver to the people who want too, it. Is that like you knew within you that you had a story to tell and that you could help people. And then you sort of like ran into this person who was a beast and that just like spurred you on so yeah. much with like anger. And I just love that you sort of like named it anger and then like leaned into the anger. And that's oh, what thanks. brought you to these like people who could be champions who you, you wouldn't have met. Settle, like, yeah. so well, there's a lot of self doubt. Like I think that's you. a, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's the thing, like I ha- deal with a lot of self doubt with certain things. And so it's one thing to like doubt yourself. And then when somebody makes some arbitrary decision where you're like, wait, you don't even know what I actually am capable of. Like you're judging me in this one way. Like that was actually like such a great catalyst because it like shoved my own self-doubt out of the way. And I was like, no, screw this. This is ridiculous. And I am going to, I knew deep down inside like that fire had to, had to keep going where like um, sometimes I do this, like I do self-sabotaging or I go like, well, I don't know if I can do that. Like I'm not any good at that. Or I still get nervous when I do stand up, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm any good. And like, it's, you know, scary things. So but then when, I think it's really tested when somebody does judge you or treat you that way when you're like, oh, no, no, no. That was just <laughs> my weird coping mechanism in case I did fail. But no, I know this this has to happen. Like, yeah. you and can be with you me or not. That is the thing, too. If you're like, right. I self-taught myself. I don't need you. And now now I have to tell you the thing. Right. And then I wrote a whole book and it's and crazy. It's and it's totally amazing. Crazy. You can buy it. And we'll tell, them, tell people, OK, this is the part where you plug everything. Go okay. for it. Where can, people, where can people follow you on Twitter? It's very important. <laughs> oh, God, you've got to follow Anyone who is questioning your self-worth, look at your Twitter followers. <laughs> and if you don't have many, keep questioning it. Keep questioning. You know, now Instagram's the thing. Now Instagram's uh, the self-worth uh. thing. I know it's really bad. But on everything, I'm Katie Brodnick, C-A-I-T-Y, mm-hmm. B-R-O-D-N-I-C-K. But my name's Caitlin Brodnick, but Katie's what my family calls me. So yeah, I did that. Um, <laughs> and you can buy my book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Target or like wherever or you a want. Story a, a story of bookshop. Yeah, I love I was so happy. I know I saw it in the window. They weren't open yet. And I was like, oh my God, hi. (laughs) Like, that's so cool. Uh, So my book came out the same day that Hillary's book came out. Oh, shit. So you're like, two good women. Get the book. Yeah, I'm like, get both. But like, it's so funny because they talk about when you're selling a book and then I'll stop talking about my book. But like, um, it's the pub date is the biggest deal. And like, you have to sell that like a lot. If, if you get people to pre-order your book, mm-hmm. those pre-orders go towards the pub date sales. Okay. And that pub date, it's like a week of sales, and that goes to your New York Times bestseller list. So Got it's it. like this whole thing. Well, mine was coming out the same as Hillary's. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I screw this. <laughs> like, I'm literally like, there, there's no way <laughs> that I'm going to sell anything. And like, it was a really lean time. The book is <laughs> the book is doing well in like certain communities, but it's, it's also like hard. You have to keep pushing for it. And of it's course. like... Yeah. I'm also tired and pregnant and want to sleep all the time. So <laughs> please buy it. You're a human baby you're about to give birth to. Yeah. 
yeah. like the book babies in the world. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, well, and then I do comedy all over. You know, you know. Look her up on Twitter, Instagram, whatever <laughs> the next thing that's going to be out by the time you guys listen to this in January, which is in the future for us. There's probably like a new platform we don't there even is. know about that's going to be more important and more. And you need to be verified self-worth. already before exactly. you even start. Uh, so, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming uh, a few blocks down. Yes, to thanks my for having me. Story. I love your fellow Astoria. I love it. I know, yeah. It's very exciting. And now that we have the subway debacle here, from the subway by my apartment is out, I feel less guilty for forcing no. you to come here. So, <laughs> you're the best. Thank you for telling us so many amazing thank stories. Thank you, guys. And thank you for bringing your story to the people, too, and, like, fucking fighting to write the book you wanted to write for the reasons you wanted to write it. Mm-hmm. And fuck everyone's opinions about <laughs> everything, uh, especially babies and boobies. And uh-huh. we will talk <laughs> to you guys Twitter. next. <laughs> and Twitter and social media. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Boo. Bye. Boo. Oh, boo. <laughs> we say boo. We say boo here? <laughs>